Welcome back to a podcast entitled The Real Enneagram, A Spiritual Quest. Today, Dr. Joseph Howell will discuss acceptance and rejection. He'll talk about how our egos react to acceptance and rejection and why. And of course, this is such a great topic because we've all experienced both. How can we use the tool of the Enneagram to bring greater awareness to our reactions and learn and grow personally? So now I'll turn it over to Dr. Howell. Today, I would like to share with you some thoughts about rejection and acceptance. We've all been rejected at times. When was your first rejection? Do you remember it? It's very indelible in many of our minds. I remember when I was about four years old and my family lived in an apartment complex. I went outside and was going to play with the children. I remember in the common playground that day that there were only two children there, and they were both somewhat older than I, two girls. And I just sauntered up to them and presented myself to be one of them and play with them. And they pushed me away and said, Go away, you're a boy. Boys are made of frogs and snails and puppy dog tails. We are girls. We are made of sugar and spice and everything nice. That was a rejection that was palpable and is continued to be palpable to this day. It is a formation of the ego, which in turn says, I hate this feeling of being nullified, cast aside, and inferior. Therefore, I will devise strategies so that this doesn't happen again to me. The ego then goes about developing a narrative which says that people who reject it are not nice, that they're up to no good, and that basically they should be punished in kind for what they did to us. Of course, all the nine egos have major ways that only that ego really seeks to write such a narrative. Nevertheless, egos are there to protect us. For example, in a six ego who is fearful of what could go wrong and that ego experience rejection, they do everything they can to create security around them so that rejection is severely limited or hopefully impossible. And that is the type of ego that I developed. And even unto this day, my ego responds to cruelty with nice language that I say back to the person 
who perpetrated any cruelty on me. It's a way of giving homage to that person to substantiate their superior position over me and therefore do not hurt me. I'm part of your team. Every one of the nine egos has a different strategy for dealing with hurt, harm, and rejection. The interesting thing about rejection is that uh, it's uh, one of the most important issues dealt with in philosophy and in theology. We don't like to admit it, but most of us know that the human condition is one that includes a certain amount of cruelty, which is also the rejection of a lot of people to their face or as oppression to them in a collective. And this is not a nice thing to accept about humanity, that we have this shadow. But knowing that we do is also a way out of being in a fixation of resentment toward those who are rejecting and cruel of us. And let me, let me tell you how that works. If we know that a certain amount of humanity, including ourselves, I hate to say, are going to be cruel, we have the option of accepting that part of the shadow as part of humanity. That cruelty is actually part of the wholeness of humanity. Now, it's not a pretty part, but it is a part of humanity. And that all of us are subject to doing it and to perpetrating it, just as all of us have the soul qualities of the divine within us. I will use the uh, analogy of Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was once a soul child. He was carried in his mother's womb and birthed one day and held in hopefully loving arms and for all we know was born into the innocence that every human being is wont to uh, be born in. And his evil, however, which was perpetrated in this world, the results of which are still being felt today, was huge, and its ripple effects were huge. Nevertheless, that little soul child, even in the extremities of his cruelty, is still part of the human family. And our response to him in consciousness cannot be to separate ourselves from him, but to understand that he is part of the human fabric that we are a part of. That's sobering. It brings humility. Paul said it in 
Romans, when he said, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This, this one sentence helps us understand that no one of us is free of falling short, of being cruel, of doing things that really do not glorify the divine within us. Martin Buber, a Austrian Jewish philosopher, wrote a hallmark book in philosophy and theology in 1923. It is called I and Thou. In this book, Buber asserts that there are basically two kinds of relationships that we can have. Relationships that consider another person uh, inherently respected because they are a person. So therefore, they are a thou whom we respect because we too consider ourselves a thou, and therefore we are in the family of thous, not really separate from each other. And then he asserts that the other relationship is an I-it relationship, I and it, in which we consider ourselves separate from the other and objectify them and use them and categorize them as we will. How many I-thou relationships do we have? And how many I-it relationships have we ever had? The ego uses I-it relationships when it is unhealthy and unconscious. When we go against our arrow, however, to our soul point, it's a wonderful awakening to the fact that we are a thou because we are a soul and that everyone else in the universe is at their core also a soul and essence, a thou. So what do we do with Adolf Hitler, with the man who murdered his pregnant wife and unborn child, the mother who drowned her five children, mass murderers, politicians who lose their morality and people suffer because of their choices. What do we do with them? Well, our ego knows what to do, and that is reject them and make them its. But our soul has a different way of assessing and dealing with them. The soul says, I take you out from under my judgment, and I place you in the hands of God for God to heal you as God wills. 
That's a mighty statement from the soul. It's hard to do, folks. But in the spiritual journey, we eventually come to that point when we know that to go on, we have to drop something. We can no longer carry that sword because its heaviness outweighs what we thought it did for us. It becomes laborious to objectify and persecute others and it eats us up. So as this year, 2021, ends, and as 2022 begins, we have paused to ask ourselves, do I have an I-thou relationship with myself, with God, and with all of my fellow human beings? Thank you for listening. I'll turn it over to Erica now. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dr. Howe, and thank you to our listeners. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at therealenneagram at gmail.com. You can also go to our website at theicb.org. Thank you. Look forward to next time.